0: It's great. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right, ready? So when, whenever you're ready.
1: Put that thing back where it came from, my so help me. Bum, 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 bum. So homie. So homie. And cut. Bum. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a musical. I <laughs> do
0: <laughs> Welcome. Hello film kids, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. Today's a very special episode because it is our very first animated feature on the podcast. I'm talking with my buddy, Massimo Giacano, to talk about scares, laughs, and everything in between with Pixar's 2001 classic, Monsters, Inc. How's it going, Moss? How you doing? I'm good, Josh. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. This is a very special episode. It's not only your first episode. It's, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, the very first animated film that we have done on this podcast. Let's so go. congratulations, my friend. I'm honored. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Monsters, Inc., a Pixar movie from uh, the early 2000s. Uh, a very popular one amongst our generation because it was kind of in that first wave of Pixar films. Um, and it was your choice. You actually you gave me a couple options and a lot of them were Pixar films. so I want to know why you why this one was on the list and what your relationship is to what Pixar.
1: Um, well, I mean, I just love animation in general. I, I've gone on on record multiple times saying I think animated films are like the highest form of film in some ways just because you can tell stories that you can't tell in live action. Um, with Pixar especially it's just ever since I was, ever since I was oh, probably like even like one or two years old um, this was the first movie uh, that my brother and I were given my parents got it for us uh, as we grew up we literally wore the disc out so much that we <laughs> the copy that we have now somewhere is our third copy of Monsters Inc because oh we God. destroyed the disc we watched this thing on repeat and just I guess from such a young age this this film sort of I mean, I, 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 it just made me love Pixar in general, as and like I love animation, but especially Pixar is a special place in my heart. Um, and and I don't, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's sort of one of those things where like you love it so much you can't really express it. It's just kind of like it's unspoken. It's, mm-hmm. it's not even just this film specifically because this actually isn't my favorite. It's like my third favorite Pixar film, probably second yeah. fit, no second favorite Pixar film. I, I ranked them all, um, <laughs> but. Just this is a movie I grew up with, and just this this company, especially like it's since I was three years old, it's been my dream to work at Pixar, and it's still there, um, yeah <laughs> but especially just this movie in general, sort of just lit that flame for me, I guess, so it's got a special place in my heart.
0: I love that. I think we all have that one Pixar movie. Um, I, I also want to go on record and say that because just because we haven't had many ani- we haven't had any animated shows on this or movies on this show does not mean I don't love animated movies. I adore animated movies and I always have. I think in certain years there are some movies in the best animated feature category at the Oscars that should be best picture because they're just so damn good and there's only a couple that have done it like Up and Toy Story 3. I know that uh, Monsters, Inc., Was uh, an early one for me too I think I saw it in theaters I I could be wrong but I definitely had the VHS Um, and I I watched it all the time along with a lot of other Pixar movies um, like I watched Finding Nemo a lot uh, all the toy stories Um, there's just something special about that first wave of Pixar films Uh, the first the two toy story films A Bug's Life Finding Nemo Monsters Inc um, and I think What's the one? Am I, forget, am I forgetting one? Incredibles um, was like,
1: after Nemo, maybe that.
0: Incredibles was always my favorite, and it still is my favorite. I to like. I actually want to know what? What are your top five? Give me your top five Pixar. Books. Oh,
1: sh- I actually. Oh, I ranked them actually not too long ago. Uh, Wally is number one. It's right. my favorite movie in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, second is Monsters Inc. Third is Toy Story three. Mm-hmm. Four is Incredibles. And. Five, oh, what the hell? I think five was up. When we started quarantine,
0: like right in the beginning, I made a promise to myself that I would watch all the Pixar movies in a row chronologically and then rank them. I stopped it up because it's like, it was like I didn't want to be sad anymore. <laughs> um, but I, I do love up. my So my favorites, the, so the only ones that I haven't seen are uh, there's actually a few Brave, You're not, Cars missing three. Much. not missing much. Um, <laughs> uh the good dinosaur definitely not missing yeah the bottom (laughs) tier basically um and then the two newer ones onward and soul i haven't seen yet
1: definitely soul especially is i know that's not what we're talking about but it's it's so good dude it's so good i've
0: been been waiting i i really need to get to it um but my favorite incredibles is, uh, is definitely number one ratatouille is number two um inside out is number three and then i kind of say Toy Story 2 and 3 are tied it's so tough for me to pick between Mm -hmm. the two of them I I go back and forth all the time Um, and then Finding Nemo was even though Finding Nemo is directly linked to my fear of the ocean I still really love that movie Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and and it was always an event. It's always an event of a Pixar movie coming out cuz they always usually also come out around my birthday of the, like the which is June 21st. They always come out like around the first weekend of summer, which is super exciting. And it's fun to hear like each person having their own different attachments to certain Pixar movies. Like Monsters Inc was never a favorite of mine. I always really liked it, but it's never like Monsters Inc is my dead on favorite. But the more I watch it, especially this last rewatch last night, there were so many like different things that I found like especially the balance between the um, child's like the appealing to kids storytelling and the adult themes and you could say that about literally any Pixar movie and I think that's one thing that really makes them that they push the boundaries that they appeal to kids but don't make kids feel dumb they treat them as mature beings, which is really special.
1: That's, like, my thing, where whenever... When there, when there are some people who see, like, a Pixar movie, and, like, oh, it's just a kid's movie. It's, like, sure, maybe it's more of, like, a family-oriented movie, but that doesn't take away from, like, the quality of the film, I guess, or, like, the gen... Like, how genuine the stories are and, like, how deep the stories are trying to tell. Um And just, like, I don't know how, how wild and creative, especially in this sort of, like, from Toy Story to hell even like up like just the amount of for that like 15 year period just the amount of creativity just flowing out of these people's minds at Pixar is 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 incredible and i i one thing it's just interesting whenever whenever i hear people rank Pixar movies cuz mm-hmm. my problem with it is like after like there you know there's always like your top 3 that are like definitely your favorites. But then it's just so hard to rank the rest cuz they're all uh-huh. so goddamn good. The other mm-hmm. minus like a few of them, but um, most of them are just like they're they're just so they're they're so well made and they're so ah this you know that's how I feel yeah. about about all pretty much all Pixar movies. Yeah, their
0: track record is great. Like the ratio from good movies to bad movies is pretty like, it's pretty good. Like, I would say, of the ones that I've seen, like, my least favorites are, like... Like, Cars, when I watched it in quarantine, like, I remember liking it as a kid, but when I rewatched it, I was like, this has really well-made shots, but it's a very mediocre, uninteresting movie. Like, just because it's just Cars. Like, and even even some of the sequels, like... Like even finding Dory, which I don't think is really all that great, I still enjoy it, and there's some interesting things that that movie does. We can talk about Monsters University too. I love Monsters. Um, I think a, I
1: think it's so slept on. I think people hate it, on it way it was, too much. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I agree. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, they're they're a reliable company. They um, they're a, a group of well, amazing animators, amazing actors because they have to know the facial expressions. They are just huge movie nerds. There are so many individual references to other movies, especially in this one. There's a lot of good references in Monsters Inc. to other movies, um, and they have they're just amazing with music too. Like their scores, like Randy Newman, and then later on Michael Giacchino, It's just incredible in the original songs that they have for each uh, for each movie, especially in the early years. There's so many things going on. They put in so much care and detail into every single movie.
1: Yeah, I mean. You basically personify... It's just as a company, I look at them and, like, obviously some... You know, I I just look... And, like, it's hard hard to not look at Pixar as, like, the premier animation company. It's like, it's not... You can just look at the quality of their animation. Like, look Mm at, you know, Toy Story 4, even. It came out in 2019, but, like, the film looks basically photorealistic like the quality of the animation itself not even just like how well animated the characters are and how like you know well designed all their characters just the environments in general and it just there the quality of the animation coming out from this company is insane but also like, like I said earlier the quality of like the storytelling and the quality of the casting too That's one thing it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of films that have a good story but they just miss on the casting Pixar has done such a good job At, like, getting the right people for the right roles. And I think Monsters, Inc. is definitely um, a, a personification of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool to see a lot of the earlier ones, too. The fact that the animation, safer, I would say... Like there are some moments in in Monsters Inc where I was like, okay, that looks a little dated, but overall, the majority of their films still just hold up am- amazingly in terms of their animation. And like, I think the obviously the one that has aged maybe the worst is the first Toy Story movie because like when you watch that, you can see it was the obviously it was the first computer generated movie. Not that it doesn't look doesn't look good, but it very clearly is like, they made this in 1995, this was the first movie that did this, and there are some, there's some creepy imagery in that movie with, yeah. the, with the faces. <laughs> um, but for the most part, they're timeless movies, and um, they're, they're also really good. I think what sets this movie apart, Monsters, Inc. in particular, um, what I thought was interesting watching it last night was that a lot of the movies before this were like, let's pair these two Unlikely people together and see like you know Buzz and Woody, um, Marlin and Dory, like you and um, you know people who need to be the leaders, um, like Fleck in uh, Bugs Life. These are people who are like the who have to rise up and you know do what's right and have to go out on this journey um, because of. But this movie is a workplace drama (laughs) that takes place in the span of 24 hours basically which i didn't honestly put together and and these these two characters mike and sully they're already friends like they're already like each other and then they're just put in this situation where they're not they're not really leading anything they're not like uh, looking after a group of people necessarily they're just oh shit there's this kid we got to get it back and we are kind of like, oh, we shouldn't be in this situation, but we are. Um, and I, I never, it never, I never realized that until last night, which is, I think, is kind of the hidden genius of this movie.
1: I think the 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 I was watching a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff just to see like the processes and also what the actors said. I, they, there's this one clip of John Goodman. He repeatedly he just refers to Mike and Sully as like they're just two working day Joes. You know, it's mm-hmm. just. When when Pixar went to make this movie, they looked at like monsters. They're not scary, you know. And they looked at like scaring as their job. And like you said, like putting in the whole sort of workplace where it, it's it's just such um such an interesting approach to take things where it's like monsters are also scary and they're like Rrr. and yeah, but you just look at them like it's silly and it's like if you put them in human bodies, they just they're they're just people, you know. And it's one thing I didn't I didn't even realize you brought it up was. Uh, the fact that it takes place over a day. It feels like it's longer, but it's just 24 hours. I also i realized that,
0: um, well, were you ever scared of any monster in this movie? Like, when you were a kid, was there ever one monster that you're like, oh, I don't, I don't like looking at that? Like, for me, they were always, because of their personas and the voice acting, I was like, I like these people. These are, like, friends, you know? <laughs> I think
1: when I was little, like, Waternoose sort of, like, freaked me out a little bit um Mm -hmm. but like the rest of them not really it's like they put him in a vest though so you (laughs) kind (laughs) of i don't know i mean none of them are really none of them really that scary to me
0: yeah i think because they the way that they also made their their faces Mm -hmm. the the, they're all of the monster's facial structures are very much modeled after people and like other various like stereotypes or uh Personas that you see in like an average workplace I I always love the woman in the beginning Who's like you know Mr. Bile could you tell me what you did wrong And she's like this very like It's Bonnie Hunt so it's like she has this great Like almost um uh, managerial voice and presence about her, and the way that they have her face is like her eyes are like all the way up here, like above her head. So it's like they they just like were able to um, they and this Pixar does this in every movie, pretty much, is like finding little moments within the workplace or in the world to be like this is something that humans do, but let's do make monsters do it, let's make cars do it, let's make bugs do it, you know. And you could find that in any movie that they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, putting it in, again, it was, it was, um, literally what you basically just said, like, seeing these elements of the workplace and, like, seeing monsters do it, it was one of the things, like, I, Pete Doctor, the director, um, he mentioned, he was, like, when they were brainstorming, like, how funny would it be if we just saw, like, monsters doing, like, clocking out, or, like, going for a lunch break, or, I think, and it's just, like, it's, it's sort of, I don't know, like, it's kind of, like I said, if you put the, if you just put humans in here, um, instead of monsters, the story would I mean, okay, maybe the story wouldn't make sense I'm scaring kids doesn't really, doesn't really work But it's just the whole workplace setting um, But No, I mean, it's just like It's so, it's so smart I think, like It's in, it works, it just Like, you don't, know. I, I haven't met a single Person who's seen this movie and be like, no, the whole like mo- No, there doesn't, it it just Works. Unbelievable. Exactly yeah. <laughs> And I it does know, yeah, yeah. I, I think with the
0: one of the other cool things that they do that Pixar did, especially in the um, the earlier years, it's like the Toy Story and this one are the two main ones where it's like they took a very clear aspect of childhood. Toy Story is playing with toys. Bugs Life, you know, playing outside with bugs. In Monsters, Inc., it's, you know, the being afraid of monsters, but then they took this other spin on it and be like, okay, so what if your toys came to life? Like, what if you're there they're not looking? And what if there's this whole backstory when you're not outside, what do the bugs do? And then what if, you know, what are the monsters in the closet? Like, what's their deal? Like, it's a very mature way of thinking about these, chi- and there's obviously, like, big themes of childhood fear and uh, just growing up in general. You can find growing up in any of Pixar films, but... I love the turn that they do in all of um, in all of their movies of this aspect that you've probably thought of at one point or another, like where does this idea of monsters in the closet come from? Like, what's their deal? And they explored that in a very um, and took us very. Uh, not formulate, but um, seen format of storytelling before, and applied it to it, and it's very exciting. Like it's very fun, and it's and it's uh, ingenious to do that, and taking something that a child like experiences daily and flips it on its head Um, and it makes it easier obviously for kids to see this movie I I personally never really had any monsters in my closet I was just kind of afraid of the dark space of my closet like it wasn't really like I there's a monster that's gonna pop out at me Mm -hmm. like did you ever have that as a kid
1: no I mean I kind of was the same thing I never really thought there was like a monster in the closet I was more just like the dark kind of kind of freaked me out Mm -hmm. Uh, but not really like any monsters I guess gotcha okay but you
0: know what I mean like I love that they did that with those first like few films um and they I think Pete Docter kind of got back to it later on with um with Inside Out which is amazing um but just thinking of like you know what are the emotions inside our heads like personify them but then also like show what a kid is going through Mm -hmm. in this very specific stage in her life It's it's so great I love Pete Doctor. I love all of his films
1: I don't want to comment On Inside Out Because I have like A hot take But um I I remember when When They first like Announced it And they gave us Like the synopsis I was freaking the hell out Because after Mm -hmm. like Sequels and pre We can finally get like An original idea Pete Doctor's behind this And you know what kind Of track record he has And it was just like it was such a crazy idea it was like yes this is Pixar and then I saw the movie and I thought it was kind of boring and average but oh, really? <laughs> any, um yeah I just I mean the characters are all great and the, the, just the concept is amazing it persona it just I think it's it's a perfect perfect for Pixar I just think the the execution was a little interesting interesting okay okay
0: I won't argue uh with you about it but I I okay I won't argue um, with people <laughs> who like it it's
1: just a personal yeah. opinion uh-huh
0: no I feel you it is a hot take um before we get into the to the critical breakdown, I, I feel like there's been this kind of discourse recently about animated movies, or maybe it's just my perception of the last ten years or so, that like you said, it's just an animated movie. It's just for kids, like, um and you know, it's how how can I take it seriously? It's just it's just making these big themes a little bit more colorful and kind of down to earth mm-hmm. that's how I've always seen it and I have fun and I can easily tell when an anime movie is just for children or it's just supposed to be for fun but you know I'm kind of a child at heart so I can still kind of get lost in things like that um, so like are, are you able to do that like are, are you a child at heart or you do do you try and look at like most animated films critically like what do you th- what is your mindset when you go into an animated movie maybe it's a new one or you're revisiting an old one
1: you know I think as I have grown up, um, I've become a little bit more critical of movies as a whole. I'm not like, I don't sit down and watch something and just try to you know, write every note down that I hate, but it's like, you know, I'm able to analyze a film and, um, you know, there's films that I love that I know aren't very good films, but I love them, like my, it's yeah, but, um, I think where this fits for me is just you know, back, back in 2001, 3D animation especially wasn't, you know, super common. Pixar, obviously, you know, they they led the way with your first two Toy Stories and Bugs Life, and this was their fourth release. And then DreamWorks came along, they did Ants, but then they had Shrek in the same year, so it's like... And I love that film, too, like, to death. It's just, oh, I yeah. I think this... I mean, this film in general, for me, um, it's kind of... It just fits in there as, like... I, th- I think nowadays, um, the reason the sort of, like, animated films are just for kids... Uh, mantra comes up is because there's so much just like garbage that comes out that's just an animated movie like it's just I think it's because as animations become sort of cheaper to do and easier to do these like studios can just throw out these crappy movies and like slap a celebrity on it it'll make some money and like the kids will watch the parents hate it but I think just Monsters Inc especially um it's just like it takes everything. It's not even just like a good animated film. It's just a good movie in general. Mm-hmm. And when I watch animated films, especially Pixar movies nowadays, it's like I have an expectation. And I think I I feel like I'm not the only one who like who if you love animation and you love Pixar, you don't like go in and watch Soul for the first time and not expect it to be good. You know, it's a, it's like when you it's a Pixar movie. You know, there's an expected level of quality, and I think just that sort of, that comes from, you know, the earliest days where it's like it's 2001. They just made Toy Story six years ago and then, you know, they're just knocking it out of the park with everything. It just sets the standard, it set the standard so high, I think, just for animation in general, um, especially 3D animation and just for me, like, for me, it's sort of like, again, it earlier set the bar. More Pixar films would come along and just raise that bar higher and higher but, it's just like, I don't know, Monster. Monsters, Inc. is just, it's kind of hard to top. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just think that I, th- there's a lot of cynicism around uh, animated movies, and that they themselves like have to. I think it's really hard for an animated movie to really kind of hit, um, you know, with everybody because there's the like you said there, for every good animated movie, for every. For every Monsters Inc., for every soul, for every Spider Verse, there's like, you know, ten emoji movies. Ten, ten rock Norma, dogs, ten, dude. Ten, <laughs> <laughs> ten Cars too, you know, there's there's so many. Um and yes, the primary objective for most animated movies, or at least mainstream animated movies like DreamWorks and Pixar, is that, you know, they want to not only entertain, but they because of their they're they to children. Now that's that they also try and like take the extra step and make it so that everyone can see. Mm-hmm. I think also because a lot of the more popular animated movies are not ones that I would say are some of the best that have come out. Like, you know, say what you want. As a fun movie as it is, Desp- Despicable Me is not gonna be like a a record breaking generation defining no. um like artistic piece. You know what I mean? It's it's fun, but you know it, there also is a lot of things in that movie that. I don't like because of what it shows for animated movies, like annoying characters, you know, I hate minions. I'm sorry. Don't, I think
1: don't they were me. funny. They were funny the first time around, once they got around to getting their own movie, I think it was just a little too much.
0: <clears throat> yeah, exactly. But I just think that they're, you know, there's so much more, there's a lot of care and heart, you know, and emotion put into like, I haven't really seen a mean spirited animated movie or a, you know, a, uh, quote unquote like dark like really or maybe not dark but like very depressing or um, pretentious animated movie mm-hmm. I haven't personally there's always something like very personal about animators that it because of the care um, and the level of effort that goes into, not that like, you know, obviously the effort goes into every film, but with anime movies, there's so much more there's, they have to take that extra step and really like put so much more of themselves into their own movie with the, with the drawings, with the ideas that they have to work harder, like honestly. And I, I tip my hat to anyone who wants to do that. Um, and so, you know, because of that, I just think that just completely discrediting animated movies um, for, you know, just because of a, you know, because of the the amount that come out or what does come out. I, I don't really I Don't really think it's all that valid. There are a lot of great examples of when animated movies Can touch people and it's great to see I I love it <clears throat> Spider-verse in particular <laughs> um, All right, do you want to get into the critical breakdown now that I've rambled myself to death? Yeah, sure. Let's go <laughs> Um, I, I wanted to get out of the gate, the first thing that really jumped out to me on this last rewatch, <clears throat> the score is one of my favorite Pixar scores. Um, Randy Newman, like, really, I think just having this intro of this, um, these cool animated doors with all of the letters and, like, um, the monster arms coming out of nowhere, um, with this music that's very, it's very jazzy, it's very inviting, it's very upbeat, kind of sets the tone where it's mm-hmm. just like, hey, just this is... This is gonna be fun. Like, come on in. Like, it's gonna be okay.
1: Yeah, it start that opening sequence. I, I remember it so vividly when I was a kid. I always thought it was so cool and such such like thematically such a perfect opening. This sort of like cut paper looking style art with like the hand drawn animation. Um, it was. I think. I think you're exactly right. It sets the tone for the movie. It's, and even with with Randy Newman's score. Um, should have a little tidbit, but I'll bring up later. And just oh, something funny. No, do it now. Just do it now, um, please. So there was—I forget exactly. Like I don't know what the ex- exact piece is named in the score. But anytime there's like a tender moment between Sully and Boo, and there's that like repeating sort of melody, um, that same thing actually. Randy Newman did the score for *Marriage Story*. I think it was last year. And mm. in like, there's a tender moment between you know, like the two parents and their kid. And that same melody came up again and I saw it and you're like, I was complete cause the movie's fantastic, but I saw that and immediately yeah. I, I stood, I was watching with my girlfriend. I just stood up and I'm like, that's the theme from monsters Inc. And I started flipping out and just ruining the tender moment. Pretty of, much. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really recognizable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, that, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I love marriage story. That is a very Randy Newman score in that movie. Um, that's that's interesting I, I did not notice that yeah the I love you know Randy Newman is one of the best you know composers and songwriters that we have over the last like 40 years just because of you know he was initially just a songwriter and like his albums are very provocative and in character and it's interesting to go back and listen to some of them and now he has was able to transition into you know uh, entertainment for animation and did so much for Pixar and all of his original songs are great. You know, obviously you got a friend in me is iconic. Um, but you know, I love, uh, if I didn't have you from, uh, uh, in, in this movie, I think it's really, really fun. Uh, I mean, it's, it kind of just sounds like, like if they're doing like a, like a karaoke night mm. this is the song that they're singing or something
1: i think the best part the best um, part is that john goodman and newman. billy crystal do, did it themselves with that song yeah, i don't mean hey, to cut you off but no I feel like no I no f- if, if randy newman had sang it i feel like it wouldn't have had the same effect like getting the characters voices singing that i think it made it so much funnier yeah because they're both like uh, they're singing it
0: in character too So it's kind of there's this self-awareness of it where it's like, yes, we're not like we're not singers, but we love each other and we're able to emote it Mm -hmm. and play in character, Um, which is it's fun to listen to. I like it. (laughs) Um, This whole movie in general just makes me happy. Like, like it's not I wouldn't say this is one of Pixar's, you know, it's not like one of their sad movies. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't really get sad during this movie at all. Um, You know, there's the low point for sure. Um, but, you know, after you've seen it, you know, it's like, okay, there's just this one moment and then Mike's going to go and do the stand-up and it's going to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the, it's not really... It, it doesn't, like... Like, I don't get sad, like, up. You know, I don't... I, it doesn't hit me like Toy Story 3. And not to the film's detriment, it's just, like, not that... And I, I don't really think the movie's trying to make it super, like, completely sad because I think they know the next step is they're going to... They're going to be okay. You know, it, it's not like in or at the end like at the part of inside out when bing bong goes it's like that's a real moment that is supposed to be a, like an actual affecting moment whereas with with this it's like you no, know, it's gonna be fine don't worry like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be okay just trust us
1: i just i feel like if they tried to it's something is so good at it's like they make those really sad moments when they fit you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. the end, the, sort of right before you know, like the the real ending of the movie when Sully says goodbye to Boo. It's like it is sad, you know. It's tender, but it's not the sort of thing like at the end of Coco where Mama Coco dies and he's singing yeah. "Remember Me" and it just makes you f- sob your eyes out. Um, mm-hmm. I I just think I think like emotionally, the the beats that they wanted to hit in this movie they all hit and like they hit mm-hmm. appropriately. Um, especially with that, with the tender moment at the end. Cause if they had really tried to like milk that and make it, you know, really sad, I feel like it would have, it would have made it feel less genuine, but I think they, they, they hit the nail on the head perfectly. I
0: agree. All of the moments are definitely effective and honest. Like they're very, like, I, I, I believe what they're portraying, um, you want to talk about uh, John Goodman and uh, Billy Crystal? Hell, I think that yeah. this is one of my. You hit you hit the nail on the head earlier when talking about like the voice performances. Like, in they Pixar is just able to give certain actors a second life by uh, giving them these characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect from them. Like one of the bigger ones for me. Like, I mean, just even considering just because of how big Tom Hanks is, just thinking about him as Woody is interesting. But like <clears throat> someone like Albert Brooks who's Marlin in Finding Nemo, he was this really big, you know, comedian and he's a film director and an actor. And so just to have him like, that's what our generation knows him as. Mm. And he's really good in that movie is so interesting. And they're able to do that with, um, like, mo- I would say most of the choices that they make are really good. You know, you know, or successful choices you know barring you know like larry the cable guy in cars but <laughs> but here i think they got the chemistry right between these two even though obviously they did it uh separately but actually just,
1: fun oh, fact did they do it together john um yeah it was something i d- i found out because i thought i mean i thought that like even miss, mr mr miss potato head like don rickles mm-hmm. and i forget the the other actress's name for uh Mr. Potato Head. They always recorded their lines separately, even though they have mm-hmm. so much banter. I forget which one. It was either Goodman or Crystal. They requested that him and Billy Crystal get to do the line. They get to do all their recording sessions together, and their chemistry was like immediate. And I think, I mean, obviously, you know, they don't, they don't always have to be together. I think Tim Allen and Tom Hanks also did that for like some later Toy Story films, but just like I think with the with the sort of because, like, in the first Toy Story, you know, Buzz and Woody are very separate entities. You know, they're mm-hmm. very they're very different people. If you're trying to set up a realistic friendship, I think it'd be really difficult for... I mean, both these guys are very talented actors um, in their own right. Um, but I think it would be difficult to really set up this friendship, mm-hmm. especially for a voice actor, because it's not your body. It's literally just your voice. So to try and really portray, like, the emotion and how, like, realistic this friendship is... If they were doing the, everything separately, I think it would have been a lot tougher. But they—they they really these, just like this comedic duo. It's so good. Billy Crystal in this movie, it's yeah, it's oh, he's just he's so good. He's he's, I, I, he's just so <laughs> funny in yeah. everything he does.
0: I relate to him of, like, all of the, like, he's definitely a top, like, relatable Pixar character for me. I see myself a lot in him. He's very, like, he's very anxious, but he's this ball, like, fun-loving ball of fun where you just, like, he wants to be friends with everybody also, and, like, he's, like, a smooth talker. And, um, and you know, John Goodman uh, is, you know, is not the main point of comedy in this movie in terms of his voice acting, because, like, he's much more, you know, like, uh, an actor, whereas Billy Crystal is a comedian, um, but some of the stuff that they do with his face in this movie <laughs> is so good like my biggest laugh in this entire movie is when he's scared that Boo has gone through the trash. Yeah, that's exactly person, what I was thinking. And his, fa- <laughs> and his face, like, and his face like stretches out. Is and he faints. He literally faints four times. In that scene. <laughs> It's so amazing I laugh every single time And just
1: like how sad he is The, the bit after that too I just, just to go over of that The bit right after that Where Mike finds him And is Sully's so well, like That's a hunk so, of garbage And then there's just like All the kids and Mike's just like, The line is like How many kids you got in there and he just like starts Looking through it That's so funny
0: <laughs> But yeah I, Mike is, is amazing Like when he's Like literally You know When he's It's great Billy Crystal Because like when he When he Wakes up and he's doing the little radio thing at the Beginning you know it's a perfect day to stay In bed or start the workout with yeah. that flap hanging off the bed you know it's like It's immediately like okay They are good friends they look out for each Other mm-hmm. and you know just his always He's always so mostly Positively spirited when he's like you know even When he's covered in the ad in the Commercial <laughs> and at the magazine at the
1: end he's like I was On TV you know he's like so happy <laughs> That running bit is Hilarious The, 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 <laughs> the With yeah. um yeah, but, uh, I think, I think just, like, go, starting, going off, like, that starting segment where we start on Mike. um, I just, I really like that opening scene. I mean, there have been, like, some memes made out of it, so maybe it holds a special part in my heart. <laughs> but, um, I think it's just, like, when they're setting up these guys' relationships and they want it to be, like, believable... It's so perfect right off the start. Like, what, what would someone who's not your best friend th- s- f- blow an air horn in your face if you're sleeping in like a minute too late, <laughs> trying to get you to you know get to the top? It's just like it's so funny. The, it's going from like push ups and sit ups to brushing your teeth. It was. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it, I think it just it, it introduces. Every time that a character is first introduced in this movie, it does it's they're all they're introduced very perfectly and you can tell like who these people are going to be immediately from the start.
0: Yeah, and everyone is a good featured player in the story. Like it it, it was really cool to see how every single decision made is will come back later, mm-hmm. like opening the movie with that simulation and how that, that plays into the end, but that's also a good way to give exposition about the scream shortage, which was another thing, when I did my rewatch of a lot of these movies in the last year, the first stages of quarantine, I had forgotten that there was a shortage mm-hmm. of, of scream energy because of, like, you know, you know, kids don't scare like they used to. You know, it's like, I, I was like, oh, damn, that's actually kind of interesting and then that ties in with the whole you know corporations just trying to save themselves and we can talk about that later but you know having that simulation come back and then how um uh jennifer tilly's character um celia plays into everything and how she helps is kind of fun to see i mean she's not as prevalent um as like other things but like and Roz, like how she's in there i think Roz has become like one of our generations more Um, Memorable characters from movies Mm -hmm. that we You know grew up with just because of her very You know recognizable voice and demeanor She has this like older Professorial demeanor Like we all had a teacher like that in like elementary school middle school Like it's fun to see and then obviously when she Comes back at the end and the paperwork stuff You know it's really Cool to see how everything is set up there's good setup And payoff which is what you want in a story
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah I mean (laughs) like you just go down the whole cast of characters and, um, I mean, Pixar, even by their fourth movie, they were just hit, hitting their stride, really, when it comes to introducing new characters. Especially, like, they did it in Toy Story 2. They brought in, like, three new main characters with, like, Jesse Bullseye. And they just, they fit so well. Um, and just, um, I don't know, if, like, uh, just going down the list, like, Randall, especially, as, like, a oh, villain. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think it's, like, he's not too evil, but, like, he's he's just immediately, you know, like, this, guy, this dude, he's a bad guy. Um, he's but strong, but he's beatable. Exactly. Like, you
0: can tell, like, that, like you're waiting. It's not like you're hoping. You are waiting for them to get the moment where they can beat the shit out of this guy.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know that Sully, <laughs> in, like, he could probably, like, kick Randall's ass if he really wanted to. Oh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Just especially with how much he picks on both of them. Uh, Great Steve Buscemi performance, also. For maybe. sure. And then like Waternoose, I, I just like I, I, I like thinking of these like ma- these made for. Waternoose is like Um There's 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 a big thing where like twist like Disney's twist villains never work and like they're always so so like I, I remember like Incredibles 2 with like Screenslaver and how predictable and stupid the villain was where it's like here, it's it wasn't like it's stupid. It was definitely like as soon as
0: that character showed up, like in the movie, I was like, there's the villain. Yeah. Like I just knew it. I love like, that movie, but that was the biggest problem I had. It's like there
1: was that. no there's like no payoff to the villain, really. That I think I think with this one, um even like even rewatching it yesterday when I did, um and, like, I've seen this movie a million times. I know what happens. I can go line by line, like, going through the movie. But the twist immediately when you see that Water Noose is working with Randall, they they do such a good job because he just seems like, you know, such a nice, like, mentor. It's like he's a third generation running the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I also think James Coburn's uh, vocal performance definitely helps. Uh, he's oh, just, yeah. He's, like, you know, sort of, like, kind of upbeat, but he's got, like, this sort of, like, older wiser kind of tone to his voice and then immediately in like the it's yours he gets to like this lower more growly register you're like oh shit this dude's
0: really evil (laughs) yeah for sure it's it he's interesting because you know at first because of the way that they frame the world and how it it, it seems like everyone's working at this factory Mm -hmm. um and this company so it's like That is all on his shoulders, and so at first you're like, because he's so close with Sully, because we as the audience trust Sully... So it's like, oh, if he's okay with water noose, then it's like, oh, water noose is okay. And so it's not like so foretelling for sure. Um, you don't see it immediately, um, and also because of how well Randall is um, set up as being an asshole, it's kind of like it's it's like a sleight of hand storytelling trick almost. You focus mm-hmm. more so on Randall than you do water noose. And yeah, I had um, forgotten how they set up his twist, um, and like I always forget about the whole. You know, um, n- Nepal sequence, like when they get banished, mm-hmm. I always forget about how that sets up and how that plays into the rest of the story. But like, there's some really good moments there. Obviously, John Ratzenberger as the Yeti is the is, is fantastic, and his like it's like probably my favorite performance of his in all of the like. It's a really good performance by him in pic- in terms of the Pixar mm-hmm. you know canon, like you know, <laughs> you know, abominable. I mean, how about like you know, <laughs> it's so do I look like
1: abominable, dude?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but to to go back to the just the the chemistry and like to see like how everyone interacts with each other within the world of like you know just when they're going to work and then at work and just saying hi to everybody you know <laughs> like chalupe baby, baby you know <laughs> Or, like, the two nerd guys, like, quiet, you're making them lose his focus, (laughs) like, are just, there's so many good, just, like, small character moments, Mm -hmm. um, that Pixar has always been great at, but it just makes the world so much more complete, and it's like, this seems fun, like, it's very inviting and enjoyable.
1: And it's, like, even those kind of characters, like, the two teens, like, who are, like, the, or whatever, or, like, the janitors, it's, like, you feel like so- sometimes they can just be, like, throwaway characters or just written in for a laugh, but it's, like, every single, like, little side character that they add in feels like it just adds to the atmosphere, and, like, the star- especially of, of Monsters Incorporated, like, as a factory, you know, it's, 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 like, if the idea... Is to just set up all these people like they just come to work every day. They they do it so perfectly with all these characters and the way that they interact. Like you just talked about, and just like the first time they walk in, Sully and and Mike walking in, um, just like saying hello to everybody. It's like it it looks it seems real and it's believable. It's like like you said. It's I'm basically just saying exactly what you just said. <laughs> but it's it's because it's true. It's it's you know what I mean.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And it's fun to see how everything interacts. Like that first scene where they do the where they're, um the where the scream floor is open and you see each monster how they um, how what their scare tactics are. Like that's really cool. Like and they have the scene of them walking in slow motion out, which is just obviously a direct homage to the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know when you see everyone uh, you know, that one guy puts the teeth in, the guy puts the eyes on his face, and everyone's just, you know, trying to break the scare record and get as many screams as they possibly can. Um, and one of my favorite, like, little touches, I don't know why I've always loved this. It's kind of hard to explain, but, like, when, so, Randall and Sully are, like, battling mm-hmm. each other, right? Randall comes out, gets the record, and then Mike er, Mike is, like, going can after can after can, and Sully comes out,
1: he's just Slumber like, party. It's
0: fantastic. <laughs> like, I was, like, that's just one of those things where you're, like... Wow, they like. I don't know what what it is about that. I just never really thought about a monster coming out during a slumber party. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really can't articulate why I like it, but it's just such a small little moment that you probably never would have mm-hmm. thought of. But they put it in there. But it's just like, yes, I love it. I love it. Like, just, and yeah, he's just swinging those cans back and
1: forth. Shangama's <laughs> delivery on that line, too, is just so funny. Just like how mm-hmm. casually. It's like he's not, he doesn't seem like like he, he starts off the day with like the hey may the best monster win and then Randall's just like an asshole about it. It's yeah. sort of like the one thing where he yeah. comes out, he's like yeah, never mind, you're a bitch. Like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really great moment. Um, and I, we I think also we should talk about Boo as a character is a really interesting addition to this movie that sets it apart. It was kind of the first time, um, other than. Andy... Because Andy doesn't really affect the story of Toy Story all that much. Other than getting the toy Mm -hmm. and becoming obsessed with Buzz, Andy is, like, is just the framework of, this is what we're fighting for. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas Boo is, like, actually... Like she's oh, I was noticing last night she's like really smart. Like she does things in this movie that like when she finds the door with the 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 the, little uh, wrench on the wall. The little wrench on a hidden door that leads down. Like she's actually like super helpful. Um and can blend in really well and is so lovable, obviously, because I mean she's just a she's just a baby. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's fun to see how she fits in, like that scene like after the the siege on uh the sushi restaurant with the big orb and they were just like uh, like Mm -hmm. and they take her back to their house like it's it's so fun to see like you know first they're um like basically setting the like the house on fire and like mike sprays himself in the eye and that's where we get the first idea that the laughter affects the energy Mm -hmm. that's also really good setup because like you know at first she just goes crazy and And then it comes back a couple more times, which, by the way, that scene has one of my favorite moments when Mike is in the trash can. He just hops (laughs) over. He just hops over. I I have no idea. But it'd be really great if it didn't happen again.
1: (laughs) I just love, I I love the idea once they introduce Boo, it's like, you know, because they set up like, oh, scaring kids, scaring kids. And then Boo comes in and it's like, she's not scared. It's like, this is the top scare. At Monsters, mm-hmm. Inc. And she was, she was, like, playing with his tail, chasing him around. Like, mm-hmm. she's not phased. And I, th- I think that's... Her character in general... I mean, like, you said she's, like, she's really helpful. And she's really sweet. I think it's kind of like... At one point, she seems kind of like a puppy. Who's, like, <laughs> just, like, finding all these new smells and stuff. Like, which mm-hmm. is kinda, when she's just kind of... when. She's like unleashed upon the factory. She's just running around, like seeing all the sights and like trying to like interacting with all these people, and they and they have no idea. I just I think it's really cool how they introduce this little girl, and you know I mean as an audience member, you're like, why are they scared? It's like she's she's not hurting you. She's a little tiny girl. What is she gonna do? It's like you yeah, can just step on her and crush her.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well that's <laughs> the cool thing that they you know they flip on you is that like everyone in this movie, all of the monsters are terrified of this one like they set it up like you know obviously the 2319 but the they are hor- like this thing will kill you like it is so like the the chemical like it is so like it's just dangerous mm-hmm. it will destroy everything this child you know <laughs> like it, it's toxic it's deadly it is just it's I, I don't even know like it's just absurd Um, and then you know the fact that the idea that like each child has their own specific monster, mm-hmm. and hers is um, hers is Randall's. So that obviously automatically makes us not like Randall even more, um, and we understand why she would be comfortable with everybody else. Because I guess if you think about it, if you only have one specific monster that uh, is attuned to all of your fears, you wouldn't really be afraid of anything mm-hmm. anything else, um, and. Um, but yeah, she's, you know, she's really sweet. She's really cute. Like I, I always loved, um, you know, when they're just throwing fruit loops at her and she's just catching them in her mouth. And when she goes to sleep, she literally just like immediately, just like knocks yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. immediately knocked out and Sully's like, you go to, to sleep, sleep. <laughs> Um but you know there's an instant you know and obviously Mike is you know very very afraid, afraid of her and it's just like using mostly spoons we dig a tunnel <laughs> under the city and release it into the wild.
1: Spoons <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: So many great lines in this movie. Oh yeah and again it's because of their interactions with each other um and you know they just they just give these guys time to cook. They're just they're really just being themselves in the movie, mm-hmm. but they fit so well. Um, and I love that you know Boo is also great because she doesn't really she obviously doesn't have any actual verbal like lines other than you know Mike Wazowski but when she is saying I think there's something in my closet it's gibberish but you can kind of make it out yeah it's like you know I was in my closet it's like <laughs> and actually it's like oh I get what you're saying it's yeah. easier for her to communicate with us it's fun
1: <laughs> I also I also really like um, I like how Mike. I think Mike starts to realize after, like, that first interaction that Boo's not, like, toxic. Like, she's really not gonna, like, kill them. But he still—I think he just feels this resentment towards Boo because she's getting in the middle of, like, their friendship, this thing. And I think especially in the Nepal sequence when he's having this sort of, like, this last sort of thing with Sully when he's about to leave and go save Boo. And he's like, look at everything that we've done together. Like, does this matter? You're about to—you're gonna just throw this all away for a little girl? And then I think that's that's sort of when it hits Mike that, like, he's not doing this because he doesn't care about us. He's doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, I just... I like the contrast because they're, they're so, like, buddy-buddy the whole movie. And then this, this, like, kid causes so much divide. And especially, like, there's that, the, that, that moment in Nepal when, like, Sully leaves and Mike's really just, like... Like, he turns around like he's angry. And then he turns back around once he leaves. And he was... I think it's just so, like, when I watched it, I was like, geez, this man looks, like... He just looks hurt. It's like, cause I could Mm -hmm. tell it's like, he knew he's in the wrong, but he's also like, wow, that like, that's my best friend. Just running away from me.
0: Yeah. He, but yeah, he, he has, he's the one with the legitimate arc in Mm -hmm. the movie. You know, Sully is the one, he doesn't have much change. It's just this change comes into his life. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mike is the one who has the complete, you know, change in mindset and thought. Um, And yeah, at first, you know, he's, just sees Boo as this obstacle that they have to get over and like when when there's that you know moment when uh, they're going to first return her Mike is like you know it's great our lives go back to normal the nightmare is over like he's just so happy that you know mm-hmm. the life is gonna be okay um, <laughs> like he fits the fake door down of like from like this Norwegian party and he's just like oh sounds like fun in there you know <laughs> And that's where we get. Obviously, we did it in the opening. The getting mm-hmm. That getting thing back where it came from, or so help me. Like,
1: I don't know. How do they come up with that? Like, how do you? Th- that's gotta be like improvised. Like, how, mm. how 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 do you how do you how do you write that in a script? You just put bum boom, boom boom. Like, how boom, do you put boom, that boom, in a script? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's just great. But then
0: it comes back later. Is like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, they're rehearsing a play. <laughs> He's out
1: of our hands. <laughs> And then the play comes up in the bloopers later too, and like the whole yeah, reel. this was
0: the last one to do the bloopers. Um, and these aren't my favorite bloopers, but they got some good ones. I mean, I've always uh, very clearly laughed at like when in the slow motion they all trip and fall. Like that well. one's the
1: best. It's so yeah. funny. I that,
0: that is one thing I do really miss that I, I, I think there I I think it makes sense why they got rid of it. It's much easier to do it with those earlier movies, like the the Toy Story two bloopers. Like, that is just genius. It's so goddamn funny. But, like, you know, just Mrs. Potato Head keeps packing shit. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: and (laughs) Play-Doh. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) yo-yo! I just... uh Um,
0: But, like, it's hard for them to do it with the later movies. Because the later ones, not that they got too self-serious, but they're very emotionally weighted. Mm. Like, you can't really do it with Coco, right? Yeah. you You can't have, you know... Coco singing "Remember Me" and then Mama Coco falls over, and it gets up. It's like, oh, sorry, you know, <laughs> like we'll go again. Like you just can't, you just can't do that. So it's really nice to see that as like kind of a relic of that early stage of Pixar.
1: I do miss it though. It's like the, I, I agree. It definitely wouldn't work for like every movie, but it's like I just I think about it. It's like that's that's a lot of extra like render time and animation time. And they went through that in like these earlier stages where, you know, they spent so much of the development trying to make Sully's hair look good. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. they still had time to like make bloopers and stuff. I don't. I mean, it's just, it's like I miss them. I think they would have been funny. Yeah. And I mean, Cars did it. Cars kind of did it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was more like a prologue sort of thing in the credits, but it still f- kind of felt like bloopers, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think that the, what's cool about that is they. That's another
0: reason why I think that they really tried to push, like, this is a movie. You know, this is, and seeing that, you know, with, especially in Toy Story 2, with, like, you know, the boom mic coming in, and, Mm. like, they would do different, like, make it feel like it's different cuts, you know, it's, they made it feel like it was on set, and it was actually made, and it was, like, it's a movie, and that's fine, and that's the other thing, the thing we haven't talked about yet, and I'm shocked we haven't, is that, all of the classic Pixar movies have a short in front of them, like old, like you know, um, like old Nickelodeons, like they would do, and it's mm-hmm. that brings it together. That makes it part of the experience. Like you're going to see something else entertaining before the actual movie. I've always loved the Pixar shorts. The one before Monsters Inc. is actually one of my favorites. The for the birds, yeah, fantastic. Um, my favorite has always been. I've always really liked. Um, what's it? What's it from? I think it's from. I think it's from Finding Nemo. It's the Knick Knack one with the little snowman in the snow globe, and he's trying to get to the party uh, with all uh-huh. the knickknacks. Across I think the... Knick Knack
1: was actually with Toy Story.
0: Was it? No, think... Toy Story had Toy Story had the. Uh,
1: was it? The... Luxa? Was it? Lu- I thought Luxo was just a short because I remember no. Knick Knack. They had to like adjust it in later releases because some of the some of like the models and stuff were kind of provocative. Maybe
0: I don't know. I just remember it being before the Finding Nemo. VHS that I had.
1: It was pro- probably was on there somewhere. Um I also have always loved the
0: what is it? The Presto. That's the one before Wally. Yeah,
1: that is the one before Wally. Yeah.
0: But those like they're just so they're so entertaining and so funny. Obviously like non-verbal storytelling is mm-hmm. very hard to achieve and they do it. Um <laughs> just a very entertaining
1: passage. Do you have some favorites of the shorts? <laughs> Um, I always love Mike's New Car, the Monsters, Inc. one. Actually, both yeah. the Monsters, Inc. one. Party Central, with Mo- if you haven't seen that one, with Monsters University. Oh, yeah. It's uh-huh. hilarious. No, that's um, a good one. Yeah. From that, these that earlier ones, ones I love For the Birds. Um, I always really liked Boundin, too. Um, I think that, that was... a good one. It's got a good song to it, yeah. And, uh... Jerry's oh, what,
0: Game. That's a good one.
1: What the hell is the one I'm forgetting?
0: The one where the old, Jerry's game's the one where the the old man plays chess Yeah, the himself. old dude plays chess. That's
1: from A Bug's Life. And then, I mean, there was like one man band. I think that was before Ratatouille. That one, man, what, the, Jack, I, mean, I already said Jack, Jack, Attack. Bow, even, I mean, that was really new. Um, yeah, that was before, uh, I think it was Inside Out, I think. Something like that. I don't even remember. I, I remember that one kind of, I thought it was really no, weird at first. Uh, Incredibles 2, that's what Yeah. We I thought it was really Which, weird, but then it was I weird. watched I it, it again. It. I thought it was fantastic. I watched it again, and I'm like, wait, this is actually really good. Yeah.
0: I always, I also always loved. I think it's, I think it's before. Oh, what is it? It's, it's called Lifted. Um,
1: yeah, I, I know what you're
0: talking about. I, I can't remember what it's before though. That one's the Alien one. Hmm. Um. I I. Where's it from? Are you looking it up? I'm just look. I'm looking.
1: Lifted was. Yeah, it was before Ratatouille okay okay Reddit, yeah, Reddit two, right yeah too. what's the one that i'm forgetting man i keep i don't even know i i'm forgetting
0: at this point there there's so many and i, I don't mm-hmm. know if i feel like maybe they've stopped doing it I, I remember when i saw coco well no there was it was a frozen short before coco yeah that was, was terrible bad. <laughs> it was fucking awful it was not I, good i remember seeing that in the theater Um, and maybe that's why I didn't think Coco was like amazing I liked Coco but I didn't love it maybe that's why because the first short was like so long and so terrible that I felt like it was already there for too long I was
1: sitting there I was so excited for the movie and I'm like when the fuck is this Frozen short gonna end I'm not here to see fucking Frozen
0: yeah with terrible songs terrible voice acting something that's not funny Ugh I, ugh, I fucking hate that short. I hate it, it so, so much. Um,
1: I thought that I saw I saw um, there was like a, a VFX breakdown of the way they made the short, which I thought was interesting. But the short itself was just like, it mm-hmm. was so fucking long. It was so yeah. boring. Um, it makes me angry. Like, it makes me mauled when I think
0: of yeah, it. Yeah, because it was like 15 minutes. Like, come on.
1: It's ridiculous. I'm here for one thing. Like, if it was it really good, I wouldn't care but it's not <laughs> yeah
0: it's bad and it's long like exactly. the greatest thing about those shorts is that they're like five minutes at most like mm-hmm. bounden was like the longest one that one or maybe presto Presto's a little long not like long but like but most of them are just like couple minutes in and out done good and they feel like their own thing mm-hmm. um but anyway back to monster sync uh, <laughs> but like they they really try and make it feel like it like this is a movie this is an actual full on mm-hmm. experience now, and I really really appreciate that um, I and yeah so like the way that the story goes and it's really fun to see like <laughs> I kind of feel bad you know what I really feel bad for is Randall's assistant because he gets the shit thing out of him like yeah. every yeah fungus yeah and he gets like when that scream sucker like that thing like almost kills him basically like he's just like he's so pale with the brightest red lips it's good to at least see him at the end like when he comes back but like my god like he just i feel so bad for him
1: I think the thing I never realized with that scream thing was, like, we never really got to see it. in act. Like, we see it, and we're like, this shit's imposing. Like, this is definitely Mm -hmm. not okay, like, not humane to do to kids. And then you see it on Fungus, and you're like, oh, look at him. His lips are gigantic now because of the the suction, but it's actually, it it would have completely fucked someone up.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I also I saw something recently. I saw a lot of people tweeting about how Disney in general sometimes will reuse animation panels, especially in like some of their older ones. Like you can find, um, you know, certain drawings animated from Winnie the Pooh in the Jungle Book.
1: Yeah, or, I remember I um, saw that.
0: And you know, I I, I I never noticed it, but I also I don't really care because if you're a they're a company. They're going to parry it off of themselves. We just said, Randy Newman used the same fucking thing in another movie. Yeah. Who cares? Like, I don't really care. But one thing I did notice that kind of caught, I don't want to say cough me off guard, but did jump out at me is that the scene where they go and get on the door and they the whole end sequence, which is fantastic. It's so mm-hmm. fun. But seeing when they go in the first, like their one aisle and then they see all of the doors is like the scene in Toy Story 2 in the airport where they go through with the luggage, it's like okay, we just gotta find that case, and they go through and with this- <laughs> like so much fucking luggage. This um, <laughs> is just, just a nightmare. Um, but that ending sequence is so cool. Um, just seeing them go through each door, and you know, Boo is fucking loving it. She's loving like just sliding down, and it's there. They're on. Then they're on different levels, and they gotta make her laugh to start. It. Like, it's just nonstop excitement.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean. By that point in the movie, it's sort of, we've kind of seen the ins and outs of the factory, I guess. And then the only other place is, like, where do the doors go? It's, I remember when I was a kid, like, watching the movie. um, Throughout the whole thing, I was like, oh, the doors are going, I wonder what happens with all the doors. And then they they just do it. And it was yeah. there's like over half a million doors in like that big first shot. And mm. it's like, it's so cool. And all the different environments, like how they go to Hawaii and Mike's like, well, why couldn't we get banished here? And then they go to like France and they go to Japan. And it's like, oh, it's a slide, it's slides, it's like Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, they get, they get all these little beats where it's like, you know, the score's like pumping. And it's like this very, you know, like high stakes climactic event. And then there's just these little beats in the end where it's just like, Oh look, it's France, and then just come and run through the door. I think I think it's just um it the the it's it's just such such a good like finale to the I, whole thing.
0: W- one thing I definitely did not notice like ever from watching this is the um I've always loved uh you know just they beat Randall obviously mm-hmm. and Boo's not scared of him anymore. But the thing I never noticed is like so yes he gets thrown through the door and it's the the trailer park uh, and you know but and then they they throw the door off the end you know basically like just getting rid of him forever and then i was thinking like they subside that by the fact that when they go in it's this mother and son like mom there's another gator in the house <laughs> like it's- Eat him with a shovel.
1: Beat the shuttle. shit out of him. <laughs> Damn, Katie <Gating. laughs>
0: <laughs> I was dying last night. I d- don't know how I missed it all these years. That
1: never. Times. That never gets old. Every time I see that, I laugh. It's just. It's because <laughs> <laughs> think like your Randall's like super pissed off. Like he just lost. He just got defeated, and then he just gets the hell beaten out of him with the <laughs> Yeah
0: but just the fact I, I think it was the first time I actually heard their lines, like mm. clearly. And the actors who do those lines are just so good. Give me that shovel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the kid it's like in a football game. He's like, Yeah, go, Mom! Go, Mom, yeah, get Mom! get that, get that kid.
0: <laughs> Oh my god. It's fantastic. Um <laughs> I I also I I uh, like I said, I think it's great the way that they come back with the simulation scene. Uh, and that's how they get Waternoose on um, camera and it actually kind of sidelined me last night when I was watching it I was like okay so they got her they got her back in the room okay so now Waternoose is just gonna have to they just come in and take him away and then no the doors come down I was like oh that's right they use that again it comes back it's so good they cover their tracks Pixar they know what they're doing
1: (laughs) (laughs) I always always love the line because it's like It's like you said earlier, they they introduced the simulation right at the start just to come back to it later. And it's not, like, an exact replica of of the first, but, like, the thing goes up. And Mike's got that same demeanor that, like, the lady in the beginning had where she's like, can you tell me what you did wrong? And he's just like, well, I don't know about you guys, but I saw several big mistakes. (laughs) And it was just that whole setup to the end. I mean, obviously, you know, watching it now, it's like I know what happens, but... It's, first of all, they have a really good twist villain, and then just, like, that twist at the end, where, like, it they end up in the simulation, for pe- that's such a big, like, gotcha. It's like, people who watch that, it's like, we just got out big-brained by Pixar, and they're amazing yeah. creative minds.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah, and then that goes into the, um, you know, he has to put Boo back, and... You know, it was always one thing where it's like, okay, you know, it's necessary. You know, he has to let him go. But the, the moment that always got me is when she opened her door. You know, that's the big one where it's like, oh, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of real. And then they shred the door. I did not expect the, Mike to rebuild it. For some reason in my head, that was always... I don't remember if that was, like, an extra or, like, a deleted scene, but, like, when I was a kid, like, I thought, was that actually how the movie ends? How does the movie end? Um, but, you know, and seeing it, that's another good reason why Mike's a good friend. He rebuilds the door for him, and, like, you know, when you see his hands, they're just all cut up and bloody. Yeah. With, like, the bandages on him. You're like, that's,
1: uh, it's so sweet. I love it. I think it's just, like, it's such a good, it's a good way to sort of, like, tie up their friendship, I guess, because it gets amended, like, right before, like, right before the big finale, with the doors and stuff, when Mike comes back, but I think it's just like one of those unexpected things where it's sort of a gesture. Where it's like, even though like Sully's like running the company now, like he's he's happy, everyone's happy, um, but it's like he he's still got that the the piece in like his little binder. He's got that the mm-hmm. piece of the door, and it's sort of like um, I don't know. I think it's just such. It's it's another one of those things where I'm like it's not sad emotional payoff, but it's like really it's like really heartwarming emotional payoff, and it's yeah. it's it's again it's like going back to this whole thing of like Pixar really pulling at, at your heartstrings, but it's um I don't know I think I think if they had ended it on just like oh you know Sully still has the door he doesn't get to see her again, but like being able to the whole thing was like it just needs one last piece it's like he uh-huh. knew he, he kept he held on to that piece yeah I yeah, yeah that's I really like that moment. I will
0: say one more thing before we go to analysis. I was the target audience for Mike's stand-up act in that that last scene. I'm not going to lie. Him eating that microphone and doing the wind-up with the burp. I I still laughed last night. Every time I watched that movie, I still... I don't know what it is. I think it's... The rumble that you hear, the wind-up, him literally getting blown back. I think it was because the first time I saw it, it was so unexpected. Mm -hmm. I just didn't... I was like, what? He's eating the microphone? What is he doing? (laughs) Like, I was just like... I... It still just, like, kills me. I'm such a fucking child. Same!
1: Same! It (laughs) it makes me laugh every single time. Just that stupid shit. It's so funny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. It's just... And it's not even, like... And if any other character had done it, it wouldn't have been funny. It's just the way that his, like, mouth just, like, reverberates, like, and just, like, flaps when he... I I can't analyze a burping scene, but it's still so fucking good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, (laughs) (laughs) I just... I, I think... No, I always I always look back on that. It's, I mean, it's just kind of reverberating what you're saying. It's like that... Kind of, it makes me laugh every single time. I think it's also sort of credit to the animators. Like, all their movements look very real. Everything in that moment just is so exaggerated. It's like, he doesn't chew it. He just, like, swallows this microphone, which is, like, as wide as him. And then he's... <laughs> it's, it's just such... It's such a good moment, man. It's such a good moment.
0: Yeah. And I... I- one more thing I wanted to just ask you about, um, uh, monsters university. Cause I remember seeing that in theaters and I really liked that. I usually hate prequels or at least the ideas of prequels. Um, but that one I thought did a really good job of adding more to the emotion of these characters, particularly in the entire like third act. It's mm-hmm. really well realized. Um, and the idea of like who you are and what it means to be scary and what you're cut out for. Like, I think that's really good. Um, But I rewatched it when I was in LA last year, and it was really cool to see it then more like what inside jokes of being through college are sprinkled in throughout. Like, it's really well done, and I, you know, obviously it retcons the idea that they've known each other since they were kids. They met each other in college. Um, But I don't know, that's one of the more, that's one of the better realized sequels of Pixar. In my mind. Because the characters didn't really change. The actors are still really, really good. It's fun to see the differences between the two of them. And then they have to work it out. Um, like, if that had been the first movie. And then this had been the second movie. It would have been... I think it would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, or a different feel altogether. But I think... Uh, I really like Monsters University, personally.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't, get, I don't understand why I get so much hate. Honestly... Mm-hmm. It's like sure, is it the shining beacon of Pixar's premier filmmaking? Probably not, but it's like it's it's such a. I mean, it's it's hard to say that there's a bad Pixar movie. There are bad Pixar movies, but there's Cars very few. Cars two is terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, Cars <laughs> two, good dinosaur, brave. They all no, uh, but Monsters University, I think like it was sort of that thing where you see it and you're like, wait, they met in college. That whole line about fourth grade. It's like. But then you also kind of forget about it, because it, it. I feel like... Like, who cares? Monsters, Inc. is so well... Like, the story itself and the relationship between Mike and Sully in the, in that, in just the movie itself, is so well realized, and has a nice arc to it. But, like, adding Monsters University and, like, especially, like, going through college with, like, frat life and just... I always, I always thought it was just so funny how, like... Because... There's, like, they were still very different people in college, but it's like, Mike's like, I'm gonna be the best scarer, I'm a god, and then Sully's just, like, this arrogant douche, kinda. Yeah. But then, like, the, the script's kinda flipped by the end, and mm. I, I think it just, it adds, it's like kinda like what you said, if they did Monsters University, then Monsters, Inc., I feel like it wouldn't be as good, but mm-hmm. d- making it more like a prequel... It just it gave a lot more depth to these characters that like now coming back to Monsters Inc, I feel like a lot more thi- uh, a lot more about these characters is like is well realized I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think if if Pixar was ever gonna do a a movie that's set in college, I can't really think of other characters that they've done where that would work. Mm-mm. Like I, the only other option, like because it's weird to do it like with actual human characters like if mm-hmm. they did it in the incredibles i would imagine it'd be a little weird unless they found someone else with powers like maybe that's a thing that happens but like here it's like it's still grounded in like kids can enjoy it um and even though they haven't been through college it could still be about friendship and schooling um but it i, I think again because since they've gone they've geared themselves more towards um human characters like actual human beings in their mm-hmm. movies i think you would need to do that one and flip it with like a little twist and have it be with their um, anthropomorphic characters. And I like mm. it. I, I think it's still, um, you know, it gets the cool click groups and frats. Uh, you know, it kind of hits the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Um, so, do you want to finish this off? Let's go to some analyze this and talk some uh, themes and such. Ah. So I think we, we talked a lot about like you know the the arc of Mike, but the, the theme that like really stuck out to me and maybe I'm just over reading it. I think it's kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, in 2021, you know, and also through the eyes of a 22 year old, um, seeing you know the whole idea of you know Water News being like I'll kidnap a thousand children just to like, keep this company from dying, like doing anything, like whatever it takes to keep this company like moving. And um, you know, even breaking the law and doing like completely unethical things, it rang pretty true. I will say, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I this 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 makes sense why they went this way. Um, mm. You know, the evil corporation and the, um, you know, I, I, it just stuck out to me where I was like, yeah, fight against the evil corporations. Let's go and turn it positive. Like, let's do it.
1: <laughs> I think Pixar was really good at that. It's, like, I mean, I, I. I really like that point because it it reminds me of Wally, which you know uh, anything reminds me of Wally. But <laughs> it's just like this this sort of like kind of realistic theme, I guess. Like these big corporations, like what really goes on, you know? Like what really what do these companies really do to keep themselves going? And I think in like Wally, it's like they touch on these themes of like you know climate change, pollution, global warming, and then like the corruption of the government and what the government's hiding. It's I think Pixar's so good at like. It's kind of slipping these these sort of like more adult, I guess, and more like in I don't want to say intellectual, but like more sort of like real life themes in their movie about monsters who are you know just scare kids for a living, mm-hmm. um, but it's ju- it's just um, and I also I like that theme in this movie because it kind of it's sort of. I guess it's, like, an underlying thing that you don't really focus on. Because, it's like, it's mentioned right in the beginning. Like, there's a scream shortage, you know. The company is, it's, like, Water is, like, how are we doing? And then the dude's, like, oh, well, we may actually meet our quota. And he's, like, oh, first time in a month. You know, they're obviously struggling. And then it's sort of, you kind of get pulled away from that because of what's happening with the individual characters. But, and then, obviously, it comes back in the end with that thousand uh, children line, but... <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I just think it's really interesting how they tie these more like genuine, like real life themes into these sort of fantastical worlds.
0: Yeah, the other thing that they do is, um, you know, about facing your fears and, you know, getting, um, you know, f- you know, facing childhood fears and kind of, uh, you know, head on and, you know, seeing Boo not be afraid of Randall at the end. And, you know, Sully's got that great line, like, looks like you're out of a job. Like, that's really good and really fun to see. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, we all have those irrational fears or just, like, life fears that we kind of have to push through and face and have to some deal with in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, we've all had that. And it's great to put that in, you know, the context of what was the scariest thing when you were a kid, mm-hmm. you know? And thinking about, you know, in retrospect, how did I, like I got over that because of people around me that I loved helped me through it. Um, and you know, that's something that can be told in an unteethed number of, uh, situations, uh, which is, you know, that part of it is inspiring and it's, it's fun to see that. And it's, you know, hopeful, you know, we all go through, it's super stressful time right now. And there's a lot of things that are extremely scary, but we have to get through it together. We got to be strong. Um, and, you know, that might be a little bit, you know, bigger in terms of, like, and in also in just in retrospect, like, uh, to see that, to look at that now, but it's there, it's 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 great to see, and it's, um, you know, it rings true, you know, it, it, it definitely mm-hmm. is well utilized.
1: I also really, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's more of, like, a basic thing, it's kind of introduced at the end more, but it's the, the whole thing of, like, Laughter is more po- like the most powerful. Yeah. Laughter is the uh-huh. best medicine, or whatever. However, you choose to interpret it in the context of like this story, I think it's just it's a it's a really good theme um, to sort of end the movie on, I guess. Because like when you see monsters, I feel like it's way more fun. Like I I feel like I'd want to see a follow up, like a short or something. Seeing Monsters Inc. as like a company that makes kids laugh, you know, like what what kind of the training and what sort of the sort of antics would go on there. I, I don't know. I think I think that theme. When it comes to like, you know, Pixar is also really good at like sending home these messages. Like every film's got to have a message, you know. It's good, um, and I think just sending it home with again, it's sort of up to interpretation. Like exactly how you word it, but the the English, uh, like the <laughs> laugh, like laughter is the most powerful thing, and it's like uh, you know, friendship. You know, Mike and and laughter, and I I think it provides um, a good a good. Uh, What the hell? I can't. Conclusion, that's the word. Yeah. It's sort of like it ties everything together with all the different themes the movie pushes around. I I really like that one, though. Absolutely.
0: I I totally agree. Um, So let's round it out. Just uh, give me a quick synopsis or a a quick, um, yeah, I guess synopsis or just quick overview. Why do you love this movie and how does it add to your love of movies?
1: I love this movie because. I mean, it's hard to explain. Because I love the story. I love all the characters. I love the world. I love the music. Um, I love how funny it is. I love how well it stood the test of time. Um, I will... Like, some of the animation, a little bit of it looks dated. I think some of the lighting looks dated. But it's like... It's... it's You, you know a movie's good when it holds up literally almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um And it's still just as good as when you first saw it, especially when it's like you have something that that you love so much as a kid. And if you continue to love the movie genuinely, not just for nostalgia, but just because it's a good movie, I think it it tells um, to the quality of the filmmaking and just the the quality and the care of the people who made it. Um, And I guess why it affects my love of movies. I mean, again, like I said, it's sort of... this was one of two animated films that really sparked my love and my passion for animation. I guess that passion hasn't really been fully realized yet. Um, I'm kind of <laughs> working on that right now. but yeah, you get time. It's just like, I don't know. I, it's it's just, it again, It's like I, f- I find it hard to talk about some of these things that I really love this much because it's just so hard to put it into words. Um, my, I guess what Monsters, Inc. does for my love of film is it shows that even just, like, the simplest of, of ideas, like, oh, the monster in the closet, or, like, uh, yeah, like just, to, just like, the monsters in the closet, or, like, you know, what's really hiding under our beds and everything. It can be explored and fully realized as something that, like, no no one would ever think of. And I that's just, it's exactly what I said at the beginning, and, like, right at the beginning. Um, I think animated films are some of the highest forms because we they can tell stories that you can't tell with like a camera and some friends. It's 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 different and that I guess that's what I love about it and it's sort of it's it's uh, it just inspired me to follow this sort of thing where it's like it's not just a kids movie. It's a film. Mm-hmm. It's an animated movie and um it's just influenced I guess the way I look at film and um yeah, kind of how I've lived my life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a great answer and I totally agree with you. The thing that like really stuck out to me was how It's a story structure and, you know, as old as time that we've seen, like, over and over again. But it's still a shining example of how you can take it and still make it exciting. You know, like, a lot of criticisms I've heard, like, recently of a lot of older movies, particularly, like, you know, the the first, like, Star Wars movie about how it's just the hero's journey but put in space or something like that was, like... Yeah, so it still works. Exactly, it's, it's cool. Still, it's still it's well done. Um, and this is, you know, this is a story. This this doesn't add any new, um, groundbreaking story structure or way to tell a story necessarily. But it it still makes it exciting, and it was fun. To, like you said, it's fun to see the world. It's incredibly funny with fantastic chemistry. Um, and you know, I just I I think that sometimes with movies like this, you can you can stick to the old format and it can still be good and that's fine like that's totally okay it's the same with any cliche cliches exist for reasons because they work you know (laughs) for the most part and if you take those and you know add them to something new like you can strike gold i think they struck gold with this movie because of you know because of all of that and again stellar animation and it just sets pixar on this path of you know just a non-stop force and after this you know, is when they do Finding Nemo and um, and Incredibles and uh, and Cars Wally and Cars and Wally, <laughs> which really, you know, aside from obviously Cars being very boring, that's why they, I said
1: Cars. Yeah, the they <laughs> up they up
0: their game in terms of how their movies look. Like, all of those movies are so cinematic. Like, even again, even Cars is. is story wise put it aside the way that that movie looks and the way that each shot is like composed of animation it's it just looks good and WALL-E too they have you know WALL-E I would say is one of their more um, you know break from the norm story wise I know you know you love it but that that's why I love Monsters Inc um, and it's one I can always go back to I love early era Pixar it's fantastic <laughs> All right. Well, it was great talking with Monsters Inc. for you. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do something a little different now. Um, we're we're getting closer and closer to awards season, and it's surprising that we're actually having one this year, <laughs> um, given everything that's going on and has happened within you know the last you know ten months. Um, but. I I wanted to ask you if you've been keeping up with any of the award show stuff. Obviously, the Golden Globe nominations and the SAG award nominations came out a couple weeks ago. The Oscar shortlist came out recently. Um, We're waiting on the nominations. We're a couple weeks out from that. But I want to know, like, if you've been looking at anything, what some of your thoughts on it are, what you think's going to happen, like, anything at all. What have you been thinking about in terms of award season?
1: Um, I mean, I'll just come out and I'm never super huge into, like, these awards, um you know uh obviously you know like i watch the oscars every year to see who wins animated feature and i kind of just dip but um i don't know i look at it and just like um especially in a year where i didn't really watch a whole lot of movies Mm -hmm. um you know i mean hell i was so late to watch i didn't watch parasite till like august after it won the oscar for best picture Uh, i was floored it was incredible um (laughs) But I don't I mean just like looking at this season. There's a lot of I don't know there's a lot of different kinds. I Don't know I don't know if I want to say different kinds of movies, but it's like have I seen any of them? No (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm 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 in college. I'm kind of busy, but uh, Mm -hmm. I just like I, I like I keep up with a lot of media stuff and I just I read a lot about these sort of things. And it's so interesting just the, the diverse amounts of storytelling. And it's like obviously there's like really cool stories told every year. But when you come to like the peak of these sort of movies, it's like sometimes there's snubs. Um, and I think there were some snubs this year. But, y- you know, I, I just look at it. I think it's a really interesting season compared to last year where it's like there's like one movie. It was basically it was like Parasite was like really like flow in full force everyone's like this thing is amazing it's Mm -hmm. gotta win now this year I'm seeing it and there's not really like that one movie that everyone's like this is gonna just sweep Um, right yeah and it's a really interesting landscape I think it's it's interesting you
0: say that because when I was looking at twenty nineteen, like that was one of the best movie years of the of the decade in my opinion. There were so many movies that were like we talked about Marriage Story, Toy Story four, Parasite, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nineteen seventeen was like the front runner for a long time, but yeah, this year it was kind of like what are they gonna do? What like back in you know the summer they extended the deadline. For the Oscars, as to what could qualify, even movies that have been released just this month are going to be able to qualify. So, like a movie called *Jesus and the Black Messiah* got yeah. released at Sundance and is um, earlier this month and is qualifying for Glo- Golden Globes and um, uh, and Oscars. I think it's interesting just because, like, I it's so weird that they're still going through with it, mm-hmm. like just because. Like like and you're you know, you're a shining example. It's like not many people have seen a lot of these movies because like they were delayed or there was like a release issue. So like kind of the front runner for right now are what it seems like this movie called Nomadland, which just came out on Hulu. I did hear about that. Yeah, I heard about that. So that's a big one. Um, you know there are obviously Netflix movies like *Mank* and Trial of Chicago 7 um, and you know there's a whole conversation about like diversity and the Golden Globes but the Golden Globes are so full of shit anyway so like we Mm -hmm. should can't really take a lot of that they can't really they don't really have a lot of credit but I, I just think I'm what I'm really curious to see is how the ceremony goes because like It's obviously all going to be virtual. Yeah. It's like, are there going to be people that just kind of like, I don't want to fucking do this. Like, are there going to be more people that don't show up this year? How are they doing it the same as the Emmys? Like, it's still so much is up in the air. And the fact that they're going through with it is kind of mind boggling to me.
1: I think, I mean, they've had so, I don't want to say they've had like so much time since the Emmys, but I think it's sort of like they tried it out with the Emmys. And I mean, I watched most of the ceremony. I think mm-hmm. for what for what they were trying to do I really don't think it like flopped. I think it worked. I think yeah. for, for what they really could do, I think it was pretty all right. I expect I kind of expect them to ramp it up to like 11 for the Oscars. Really kind of just like go all out if they can. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting to look at all this in like in a global world or the the way the globe is right now. Because, you know, this this sort of award season, it's so... It, like, so many people look forward to this every year. Like, not even just the people who make the movies. Like, some people who just like to watch movies. They care mm-hmm. about this shit. And, I mean, it's not even just this. Everything, like, from sports to... I mean, the, not the Super Bowl, but, like, from a lot of sports to, you know, even movie theaters, like, being closed and, like, all these big ceremonies not being able to happen... Um, taken like w- arguably one of the most illustrious and f- f- famous ones um, seeing like you said seeing how it's going to be done is going to be really interesting
0: yeah i think i you, you touched on an interesting point about the emmys i i watched most of the emmys and i agree i think it was uh it for the most part was successful i mean the some of the comedy and like jokes between like the presenters was a little yeah. wooden but you you can't really you work with what you, with what you got of course but Part of me thinks that this is kind of what the Oscars needs, because I don't, I don't know if you've watched like most of the ceremonies like recently. Some of them the past couple years have been really awful. Like the one last year was kind of a train wreck. Like it, it's turning more like they were trying to. It was almost like they were trying to do what the Tonys can effortlessly do. Like if you watch like the Tonys, they. It's a very, like, yes, it's a very prestigious award, but it's also, it's somewhat of a loose setting. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's happy to be there. The performances are obviously very theatrical because of the awards that they're given, but... Mm -hmm. They try and do that with the Oscars like last year Janelle Monáe came out and sang a song and everyone's dancing to characters of movies that came out and it was just so awkward and weird and then Eminem came out and that was a whole thing. See and, like but- I
1: didn't mind Eminem it was it was really I think like cuz I didn't realize that when he actually won for Lose Yourself he wasn't there. Um right. I think it was cool like in in retrospect but it was definitely kind of awkward. I just I think that this year with just having a single
0: host, um, I'm not I'm not sure if who they're or what they're gonna do if they're gonna have a host because they haven't had one for the past two years. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are gonna do the Golden Globes, Um, and so I think it's gonna be interesting to see if it's just gonna be the same format of just like have someone present the awards and then do the Zoom speeches Mm -hmm. and people can make them quick. People can uh, you know just say whatever they want because they obviously are going to know it's going to feel awkward um, as opposed to you know you're doing in front of a computer screen in front of like you know a theater full of people Um, I don't know it might make it flow better this year than it has in in previous years and uh, it might make it feel like its own kind of kind of thing because like I said a lot of years past they've kind of felt like either the Grammys or the Tonys and just Mm -hmm. like so I I think maybe that this is the thing that's going to rejuvenate the awards season maybe just the format.
1: I mean, something I'm thinking about is like, what are they gonna do? Cause I, I like you. you say like they try to make it like the Tonys or the Grammys or all these like performances. I think I think having like the best original song performances are kind of important. Cause I no, think. Yeah, I, I, no, yeah, no, no. I'm not saying that. Yeah. No, I think what I'm just like going off of what you're saying. I think it's interesting. I'm I'm kind of curious to see how they're gonna do that. If they're gonna do it like they're gonna just pre-record it somewhere in like a studio, blah blah blah. blah. Um, I don't. Know, that's something I'm looking at because every year when they do the best original songs, sometimes they can be like really, like really cool and really powerful. And I mean, some like when Elton John performed mm-hmm. a couple years ago for Rocket Man, was just fun to listen to. Like when Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper did Shallow, um, it was kind of like the staging was a little awkward with the way they were sitting yeah. at the piano. But it's, <laughs> I mean, I I love the song. I, it was overplayed as hell, but it's like it was it was a yeah. powerful moment. And I think taking it's like. They could really rejuvenate just, like, the core of these Oscars, which is just celebrating the best of cinema and film and celebrating all these people and their accomplishments. Um, Yeah, I agree. I've
0: always, I mean, I've, let me just say, I've always liked the best original song performance. That's not what, yeah, it's not what I was trying to say. I was, no, I was just thinking, like, when, just in terms of, like, in between you know, acts and, and, yeah. um, you know, presenting like that's how they opened the show was Janelle Monae coming out. And I love Janelle Monae, but it was just so, it was so strange. I think it would be kind of cool for the best original song category is that if they, cause they did this for, I think it was a, like a telethon or a, like a, a charity thing. I don't know. Or like earlier last year when we were all in quarantine, like, uh, they had like certain people perform in their like um, their like home studios. Like they had like Sean Mendez and his wife like perform a song. Mm-hmm. Um, like Keith Urban did like a, something in his like like that would actually be kind of cool. Like get whoever's nominated, whatever the songs are gonna be, and have them do it in their own like home like a little setting and just like playing by themselves like an unplugged kind of thing. Like I think that would be kind of cool. That'd be fun. It'd be something. So we'll, you know, we still got a lot of time. Um, the Oscars are, are going to be in uh, in April, and the Golden Globes are coming up at the end of this month in February. So we'll see what happens, and uh, I don't really know who's going to be taking home awards this year, but I, the Golden Globes will will set the precedent, I guess. We shall see.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, it's like, I mean, I haven't, there are some films that I've been looking at that I'm act really intrigued to see. Mm-hmm. I don't like is there anything that you're looking at this season that just like you think is going to be sort of it's going to be the film that like if something is going to be kind of like a leader and is going to just not like sweep but take home the most awards. Like which one do you think is kind of a front runner for that? The two that I've
0: been thinking about a lot just because of their positions in terms of their release and you know what the movies are about the Nomadland I already mentioned because that was, that's the one that I think is going to be the one that people think of the most artistically and humanistic film because it's a very, I still have yet to see it. I'm very excited to see it. Um, it's like people were saying Chloe Zhao, the director is probably a shoe in for best director. Mm -hmm. Um, but, The other one that I think is probably going to be a big contender is Mank, David Fincher's movie about Herman Mankiewicz, which is a great movie. Um, I just think that that's the one. It's just interesting because it's... You know, it's a movie about Hollywood. It's about the making of Citizen Kane. It's about the, that golden age. I think Amanda Seyfried is probably either going to be nom- is going to be nominated and may win for best um, supporting actress, which is a very deserving win. She's fantastic in that movie. Um, and you know, I'm just I'm I'm curious to s- those are the two that are in my head. I'm like, oh, what is going? Which of those is going to win? What are they going to take home? Because um, I think they kind of. Like, they're combating against, like, between those two, best director and best picture, I think, are the two. Like, which is gonna go to which? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Chloe Zhao has been in a lot of talks. David Fincher has never won before. He probably should have won for The Social Network, but he never, but he didn't. Um, and, you know, it's that's about, like I said, it's about Hollywood. It's a movie about a movie. Um, so, I think those are the two that really stick out in my mind. I think other nominations are gonna be, like, Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, I think that... Um, I I don't think Sia's music is going to get a lot of nominations, (laughs) hot take. Um, But yeah, I think I think Mank and Nomadland are the two that are going to be the the front runners, and at least in terms of our discussions in the coming Mm -hmm. uh, weeks. Uh, I think that's all. Do you have any uh, other thoughts? I think that's all I got. (laughs)
1: Um, I was just. If you don't, it's fine. (laughs) I was. I had one thought. Like I said, I always. Think about animated picture It's literally just gonna be Soul's gonna run away With it this year It's gonna sweep It's gonna win Golden Globes it, It's yeah.
0: gonna win Do you think it's like Gonna be Soul versus Onward? Uh,
1: no honestly Cause last time Disney Trolls World Tour no, uh, <laughs> It's really punching Above it's way uh, Last time Disney Had like these conflicting releases It was like when Moana and Zootopia Were both up in the same uh, year Yeah And everyone was like Oh I want Moana to win and But Zootopia was the better movie I mean, I don't that think Onward's stupid, gonna yeah. get a nom, perfectly. Uh, personally, at mm-hmm. le- I I mean, there there were so few quality animated films this year. There was one called Wolf Walkers that I think came out on yeah, Netflix, uh-huh. that was really interesting. I watched it because people were like going crazy, um, but. It's just a personal thing for me. It's like I I like keeping up with the animated films of the year because again, it's like kind of my thing. But um, my my prediction uh, is just I think uh, I mean the Academy and like all these sort of the Associated Foreign Press or whatever the hell they love you know Disney and they love Pixar and I mean for sure deservedly so most of the time. But that's my that's my call. Uh, 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 My my. Yeah, Soul's gonna just kind of sweep for <laughs> animated features. Yeah, you're probably right.
0: Um, well, thank you so much, Moss, for talking about Monsters Inc. and uh, the uh, award season. Uh, it's great to have you on, my dude. Thank you for having me,
1: dude. It's been like a year and a half. I've been waiting. I know.
0: I'm I finally got my shot. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You're welcome back anytime. I ho- yeah. It was fun.
1: <laughs> it was fun. this is a lot of fun. I'm right. I'm happy. I was able to come on.
0: That does it for this episode of Frankly I Love Movies. Thanks so much to Moss for coming on. If you want more Frankly I Love Movies content, you can check us out on Facebook at Frankly I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for all new and recent movie reviews. Frankly I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions Podcast Network, where you can listen to other podcasts, such as Ravnik Avengers, our real play D&D podcast, and Tea Time with Titans, an Attack on Titan recap podcast, New episodes of that are out every single Wednesday. And finally, tune in in two weeks for another special episode talking about a special movie with a special guest. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies.